0: My name is Tony Barnes. I'm a father, husband, realtor with Keller Williams Pinehurst, professional musician, ambassador for Military Foundation, Camp Resilient North Carolina, and corporate leader for Patriot Foundation. I've always been fascinated by people. Everyone I meet, I try to hear as much of their story in whatever brief moment in time we share. Even the most average-seeming human could have a captivating story. This show is about unlocking the stories of the people that I've been fortunate enough to meet and those whose names have positively influenced the communities they serve that maybe I haven't met yet, but can't wait to. This show is simply called More or Less with Tony Barnes. More is in moore County, the beautiful Southern North Carolina community that many of us call home. And because some of these stories need to be shared much more, less as in less serious, light-hearted conversations with one-of-a-kind humans about how they do more. Welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, we're at. Uh, the Pilot Radio Studios in Southern Pines, and you probably heard that on the introduction as well, but I was I, going to say it I again. Have,
1: I have just said it on live, as far as you know.
0: As far as you know. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and I have a beer beside me. I really do. It's uh, it's actually 11 o'clock, but that's okay. <laughs> um, you won't hear me drinking that on live on the air, but... right. Anyway, we got here uh, executive uh, producer Frank Daniels and also uh, our special guest for Veterans Day. Uh, This will be aired uh, right right on Veterans Day, most likely. Uh, Yeah,
1: you you have maybe listened to this on Veterans Day. That's right.
0: You may have already, yes, listened to this. Um, So this is not live, but... Uh, you know, we have Greg Walker uh, from Hatchet Brewing Company uh, here. He's a local businessman, uh, uh, fantastic beer, uh, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, which I am.
1: Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, we I think a lot of us here, here in Moore yeah. County are,
0: you know. They're starting to pop up, you know. But, uh, you know, the great thing about Moore County is that we will definitely support that cause, you know. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, we got Greg here. We're going to introduce him, uh, you know, for this Veterans Day special. Greg, can you tell me a little bit kind of about your, you know, you grew up on a 200-acre farm right um and just tell us how you kind of grew up and what got you into this whole thing military yeah. and brewing
2: <laughs> no absolutely man uh, appreciate you guys having me on um so i yeah i grew up in rural Kirksville, missouri 200 acre farm cattle uh soybeans corn uh all of that awesome uh yeah it's a good motivator to join the, the army actually so <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> i talked to my parents into uh signing the waiver when i was 17 uh and joined the reserves to be a medic um and then i ended up uh, before I, so I went to basic training like, between my junior and senior year in high school. And before I, got, uh, before I graduated, I got picked up to go to West Point. So I did that wow. for four years um, and then went into the infantry at uh, Fort Riley, Kansas, with uh, the 1st Infantry Division. Um, did my platoon leader time out there with the mechanized uh, infantry unit, deployed, and uh, I was a mortar PL for a little while. And then uh, on my first deployment to Afghanistan, there was a uh, SF team out there um, that I got to go work with for uh, a couple of weeks. And they just had a really profound impact on me. Just seeing how well they work together, how professional, how frankly, very competent they are. um, I was impressed. And so uh, I put it in a packet and then uh, applied to SF. Uh, It was, when was that? It was 2011, 2012-ish. then i i went into uh selection and did all that stuff the green beret training thing um and then went into third group uh did my team time and uh i finished up there as the uh, battalion support company commander um after my team time before getting out um throughout my time like uh, i actually started brewing while i was in the military so during my time at the captain's career course which is a little bit of a break like there's a lot of deployments at the time and so they You'd go to these schools for your professional development, but it's also like a time for you to spend with your family, sleep in your own house at night, right? Like get back into being physically fit because sometimes when you're deployed, um, you're a little bit too busy to be f- as focused on that as you'd like to be, mm-hmm. control your diet, all of that type of thing. Um, and so I started homebrewing uh, for fun with a couple of buddies. Um, and I'd, I'd started doing that at, uh, like I said, the Captain's Career Course and carried through when I went to the, uh, the Green Beret training. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how I bumped into Mike Carey, my business partner. Uh, he was my my neighbor, and Mike also likes to drink. Uh, so <laughs> he's probably more of a whiskey guy. But we used to homebrew together, um, and that's how we met, man. Uh, and it just kind of uh, it started off almost like an inside joke, right? Like, man, it would be awesome if we could get paid to do this. Uh, <laughs> and eventually, it almost it was almost like a dare. It's like you really want to, you really want to try this and see if it works. And ever since then, man, it's been. Uh, going as hard as we can for as the, long as we can. Those are the best businesses. I'll tell you. Wait, if
1: you find something that you like doing, try and get paid for it. Yeah, seriously.
0: I mean, keep, keep whatever you got that's put, paying the bills at the time. Right. But focus on, you know, let's, let's see if we can make some money out of this thing. You know I mean? For me, um I, we we interviewed Mackenzie's Mill my old bandmates from Nashville Tennessee uh that was a couple of episodes a couple, episodes weeks, a, ago, a couple of yeah. weeks ago yeah, but
1: uh, a few episodes ago I was team. telling
0: him Justin's the older brother they're two brothers I don't, have you met Mackenzie's Mill I don't guys think that yet? I have So we all grew up in this area and um and they we Justin the older brother we all they graduated from college I dropped out after four years sorry mom um but <laughs> I decided that going to Nashville Tennessee was like the the best thing for like, we're going to go be famous. Right. And so, you know, we were all green, but he was like, he was the one that was like, look, we're going, you know, you play guitar, Tony sweet. You're going with us, you know, his (laughs) brother and them sing. And I was like, uh, okay. And so we went and God bless my mom and dad. They were like, are you sure you want to drop out of college to go to Nashville? I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know? So I did it and I don't regret it, but long story short, our whole point of that was that, you know, if it weren't for his, like, let's go get it, let's do it. You know? And I think that's a great quality. We've had a lot of uh, people on the show yeah, is that I think you know, that
1: is a common thread
0: yeah absolutely I mean you're a person that you go get it and obviously with your time in the military and, and you you saw you know uh, to get to the special forces and, and the things that you did I mean you're like you saw the teamwork you saw how great it worked and you want to be a part of that excellence you know and and you're not afraid to try so I think that segue there a little bit or side sidebar, but I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just wanted to say that it's a great quality that you have there. So,
2: well, I mean, thank you, man. It's, it is intimidating, right? Like you're going to do something that you could very easily fail at a lot of, in most, most people that go into entrepreneurship, they fail, mm-hmm. you know, but at the end of the day, I would rather look back at my life and be like, Hey, I tried Absolutely. at least I knew. Right. Um, so even if it doesn't work out and it, I mean, it may not, uh, I think you're well on your way to working out. On this one. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I really appreciate the vote of confidence, man. I think we have a good team. Um, speaking to that, like that's the one of the more rewarding aspects of this whole experience is, I mean, Thomas, phenomenal brewer and just a good teammate. Like um, he will cover down on things that I would never expect a head brewer to do. Well, he'll go do sales calls. He'll go like do taproom events. Um, same thing with Whitney, our taproom manager. I know you know her. Yes, um, she's awesome, man. man. She works her butt off. Um, she's constantly balancing so many different things and then managing 10 different beer tenders. Like, that's a lot of personalities, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Not to mention schedules that you're trying to coordinate. I mean, yeah. no, I, I just very grateful for the people we have on the team. Like, that's really what makes it such a rewarding experience. Um, and any success we've seen is, is really because of the people we have more than anything else. That's awesome. That speaks to your,
0: your teamwork with, you know, th- your past military history and all that. And, being know, because it, it definitely takes a group to, to succeed fully. I mean, you can always do things on your own and that's great and i was a solo musician and i've been a solo realtor but i didn't i didn't succeed or have success on my own there was a people around me that always supported me helped me you know and and that's how you really keep success is you, you try things but you want to you don't want to burn any bridges that you know you might you meet friends you you want to keep that relationship and and just keep pushing on and just make sure that you have people that support you so i think that's fantastic um, yeah
1: um, maybe you could talk since you mentioned success and we just talked about your your journey up to this point, um, what once you decided once you met Mike, what happened next? Like what was the how did you get from there to here?
2: I mean, I wish I could say that it was a really linear process, but uh, ultimately it's it's kind of a roller coaster ride, you know like because uh, it started with the homebrewing thing and kind of joking about it and then it went on the back burner for six months to a year or so. Um, and it wasn't even talked about really. And then it was, hey, let's build a business plan. And so we worked on that and set that up. And then it's like, okay, well, this has some legitimacy, right? This might work. We have a plan now. Then it's try to find a location. Uh we looked for year and a half, two years to try to find a uh, a location that fit our model.
1: Were you br- were you all brewing like as hatchet at that point, or were you just still kind of? quote-unquote homebrewing um so we
2: were just homebrewing we weren't actually in business Uh, so we were founded as a company in 2017 uh, and then uh, that's when we really did a lot of the planning research uh, established our marketing our brand tried to get the logo trademarked all that Um, and that was actually me and another guy who was on 3-1 with me uh, at the time and then as that grew into something that was more like legitimate that's when Mike came on, um, and he had so much experience in just leadership. Um, so his background was he was in the 82nd uh, when I met him uh, as the uh, the operations sergeant major for the entire 82nd Airborne Division. Wow. And so, I mean, the guy knows how to manage operations. Um, and so that was the focus, right? It's like, hey, let's combine our skills. I, I definitely didn't have more experience, but I was more focused on, like, the planning and coordination aspect. He's more focused on, like, the day-to-day uh, starting off. And so... That's kind of how it grew. Um, again, the biggest issue was finding a location. And to your, your question about like serving beer, uh, we had to have a location uh, completely done. We had to have brewing equipment in place, uh, all of that to get our abc license and our ttb brewing permit so like it's it's almost a catch-22 it's like nobody wants to give you a building unless you're ready to go right (laughs) because they want you to be paying rent immediately Mm -hmm. uh but on the flip side like you can't get a loan and you can't get equipment without having a building right so it's uh it was an interesting challenge uh but luckily it's it's worked out it just took us a little longer than we wanted to
0: well, I think you guys, when did you start at the new, that the building? Like when did you start to open
2: to the public? It's actually, it'll be three years here in about four days. Wow. Yeah. So
0: that's what my point was. I feel like that you right around the pandemic is kind of, kind of hurt your <laughs> momentum. I imagine, right? Oh and yeah. Obviously yeah.
2: like I, everybody. I plan that quite poorly. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, I think it was just a shock. Yeah. To everybody, you know, so. I mean, we opened up in November of 2019 and we were shut down for two months, starting in March. Oh. Um, so it, it killed our momentum, but at, at the end of the day, uh, the people of Southern Pines have been exceptionally supportive. Like We opened up in June. Um, we had an amazing month, and that's really what's helped us to get through. Admittedly, with uh, the, the just the way things have changed overall since the pandemic, uh, we have had to focus more on distribution to grow the company, grow the brand, uh, but it still, the taproom is the heart and soul of what we do, uh, and that's honestly the the listeners of this podcast frankly and the the locals uh that have been so supportive uh and really can't can't express how grateful i am frankly because it it was a tough pill to swallow when we're getting shut down and we're like hey do we keep paying people do we lay people off we don't know what we can afford um luckily we were able to say hey we're going to keep everyone on staff uh we're going to try to to cover you guys um trying to take care of the members of the team as best we could and again it's worked out primarily because of, you know, our loyal uh,
0: supporters. Yeah, absolutely, and you being loyal to your, you know, I mean, there are times where you have to let people go. I mean, that's part of business, but I think it sp- speaks to your uh, maybe the uh, mindset that you have as a special forces, you know, in the military that you, you know, that you, you lift the team up, you know, when you can. You know, I mean, obviously you don't you don't let anybody go. So that was uh, that's amazing. I didn't know that that part about it. Um, but you know, I, I imagine it was really hard, really releasing, you know, your 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 brand for <laughs> two and a half months, and then all of a sudden the world shuts down. So the fact that you even survived, and a lot of people didn't you know but i think you're right in this in this community here in southern pines and Moore county we we really i i think um me personally and people that i meet really really love to support the military and their business We i love the military businesses that come up you know i mean it it helps the economy and i think this is a great place for for you guys to be with fort bragg so close by i mean some people a lot of people come here come to fort bragg and then they retire and they're like Yeah, Southern Pines, let's do the, or Piners, you know, like this, it's a great spot to live, you know, and and to grow a business, I think. So,
2: I mean, it's funny you mentioned that. I grew up in Missouri and like, um, I love the small town feel of Southern Pines, uh, but it is a stark contrast to where I grew up in very rural Missouri, uh, Midwest. There's so many more economic benefits here. The geographical location is significantly better, in my opinion, being two hours from the beach, two hours from the mountains. Um, it's a, it's just a, excellent culture uh excellent uh area to be um i guess the word i'm looking for really is the community uh and that's where i do hope that we uh we're a good fit for southern pines right like um, i know i'm not the deciding factor in that that's that's really the community itself but um to that end we really do strive to support the other like businesses as much as we can um and other like local charities especially i know we work with uh we're actually doing something with kind resilient here um mm-hmm. in the near future dreams for all we were at their event last week um we went to tower working with talons reach gold star teens for america um it's it's just nice to be able to kind of i don't say give back but just work together in that sense to Absolutely. support the community um Even other like local businesses, like uh, Red's Corner, Uh, we've been talking to Rachel. I think we have some events events planned with her coming up in December. Uh, I'd love to support the guys at the rec room as they're getting their feet under them. I mean, I think we've all, if you're a small business in Southern Pines, especially a startup, you know how tough it is just to get cash flowing, right? Mm-hmm. And like get things going so that like we we're talking about, you can pay the rent. Um, and so I know they they got delayed a little bit. I won't speak too much uh, on their behalf in case they aren't they are happy about it. But mm-hmm. no, I'd love to support them with beer. Like if there's a way we can do a collab beer together or uh, something like that. I was talking to uh, Ezra the other day about it. But yeah, we'd love to to help them out too. Even if it is something pretty small. Um, yeah, and I can speak to the fact, especially as a musician. You
0: know, I was a, a professional musician for 12 years before I became a real estate agent years ago, but I still play music. Um, and, uh, you know, you've been a great supporter of the music, local music community, too. You have great, great acts come in there and play uh you know and the food trucks that come just like red's corner you guys support the local food trucks i mean there's some fantastic food trucks in moore county if you haven't uh, been out i'm sure you have but if you haven't been out to check some of those <laughs> out there's many events that hatchet puts on in, in the parking lot you'll have a fantastic food truck uh same thing with red's corner and all the local businesses like to have those so um just support and the, the local community like you said camp resilient um i'm fortunate enough to be an ambassador for camp resilient north carolina and we uh you know there's we really pride ourselves on trying to help people we have a 75 acre horse farm in aberdeen that we try to um you know get get uh, soldiers out there to kind of just have get an outside area where they can just breathe and kind of you know if, if it's equine therapy at a horse farm or you know shooting guns at the range there like whatever to kind of get you loose a little bit and just breathe and you know help you out that's what we're trying to do so uh and there's several organizations that they support like you mentioned before uh and habitat for humanity as well i think is another one um
2: yeah, Maybe actually, that's a good example of like we try to do pint nights. It's just a really easy way to, to support local charities. So, like, and happy to work with anybody that's really interested, but we'll just, uh, we'll do like a donation for every beer we sell, usually at about a dollar, uh, something like that, on a Tuesday night when we're normally slow. So, it's a great way to just like help people um, build a little bit of support for themselves and for the local community. Yeah, I think in the community,
0: especially in a smaller town, I mean, you know, you have to have that community feeling and, and interaction. I mean, it is about, it's not, you want to succeed, but also you want others to succeed. And I think that's how you ultimately come become successful as a business here in Moore County or anywhere is you, you bring the community in and you work together. You know, uh, I, I, I'm, I, it's one of the great honors of my life. I'm not military, but my parents briefly spent time in the Air Force uh, when they were younger. But, you know, I'm a civilian, but just for me to be able to Interact with people like yourself, Greg, and, and, and the military community, uh, and support them with Camp Resilient and some other things. I mean, that's a that's a passion of mine. You know, like it it fulfills me. You know, and I think this community's been good at, at um you know hopefully at least in my opinion at, at trying to support the military and when everything they do around here because I mean there's so many great businesses in Moore County that are ran by by the military that chose to stay here. So um, that's yeah, fantastic. I
1: think people I, I think people do come together and support. Uh, whether that be just because they want to support veterans and, and the community that's building here or because they love living here and want to support business and grow the economy here so that the whole area grows. I think people... I think we do a good job as a community. I'll include myself in that, at supporting local businesses because that's really... What matters in the economy, you know, people can talk all they want about, I don't know, the the way things have changed and the how small the world is. But really, it comes down to supporting local businesses. Yeah, awesome.
2: I mean, I, I agree. I think it's been a very supportive community overall. And you will always have uh, some outliers there. But uh, frankly, it, it's such a cool a, like community to begin with, like it's just this there's a strong amalgamation of different sects that I would never have expected, right? Um, you do have that military community, you have kind of the local community that's grown up here, and this is home, right? Right,
1: Like true locals, is, right? is what I'll call them, yeah.
2: Mm. Like townies is what we would call them in, in Missouri. <laughs> right. Uh, right. I'm not sure if that's appropriate. <laughs> <But> no, <laughs> but, no,
1: we we use that occasionally on the east coast,
2: yeah. I mean, I think it's a term of endearment, but yeah. um, yeah. but yeah, you have that group of people, you have. With Pinehurst, the golfing community that's right. that's out here or like the tourist community, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a strong equestrian community, too, that's super mm. cool to get into and be a part of. Like, it is a, a really unique um, amalgamation of different people that kind of come together and are all pretty supportive of one another, even though they come from pretty different backgrounds right. much of the time. Yeah, and I think uh, you know we're kind of like uh, the de- the the demographic
0: is very much like a big city. I think here because we have so many people coming from all over the world to this area for different reasons, and I think that's what makes us all kind of you know open. Well, not all, everybody obviously you run into those people that suck, but uh, you know the, the open mindedness <laughs> of people to to support you know you see different walks of life here. I mean, I think it is very similar, even though we're small, to like the diversity of a big city, um, and I think that helps the economy, that helps our our, our towns grow, and we're luckily we're a big county so a lot of the stuff in the northern side of the county still hasn't been really developed yet um and i know there people have different opinions about subdivisions coming in where where not and i you know i get that but um you know i think we do need to have a little bit more housing here in more county because we are growing so fast and that's another story we've sort of talked about that a little bit in yeah. the past me being a realtor so um, we definitely need more affordable housing that's for sure but but i think it's just a, the, the overall community that's what this show's about just meeting people like yourself greg and um you know hearing your story and telling us A little bit about yourself and your business um do you have any upcoming events uh let's let's say in november i mean we can talk about some stuff in october but maybe for veterans day that you mentioned uh, and some things past that
2: yeah actually that you mentioned it um we are doing a we'll call it a collab uh with the pine Land underground podcast so the special warfare center the green beret training uh element has their own podcast uh and so they reached out to us to uh maybe collab and help promote some of their um well their brand their podcast and help them get uh some more listeners, I suppose. But uh, we ended up doing a beer, a special release with them, um, which is going to be a, a hazy IPA. So we're going to tune up the uh, – we're going to crank up, we'll say, the haziness mm-hmm. from our hazy morning. We got a, a proprietary hop blend made or a special hop blend made uh, from our hop uh, provider. Uh, and then cans will come out late next week, so before this will air. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just another cool way to kind of try to support another local um, member of the community. Uh, I know the guy that runs it, Chuck Ritter, he's lives right down the street. So he's been a Southern Pines native for probably the last 10 ish years, uh, that's awesome. at least. So that's fantastic. I'm excited about that one that's coming out. Uh, I know we're doing some stuff for Halloween. Uh, we're going to have, uh, we're going to push our uh, anniversary to spring of next year. Um, just to kind of like separate it from as busy as things have been this time of year, uh, and shoot for some maybe better weather yeah. than, uh, well, we've gotten in in early November in the past, but yeah, uh, right, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's uh, the, the majority of stuff on our. Oh, well, actually, we do have the Void and the uh Krampus Christmas Sour coming out here in, yeah, okay, so oh. in two weeks. Got,
1: what's the Void?
2: The Void is a black IPA, God, nice. I, love it.
1: I was hoping you would say that.
2: That is uh. <laughs> Yeah, that that one's got a soft spot in my heart because that was one of uh, my homebrew recipes. Oh, really? nice. Nice. Uh, it's definitely Thomas has definitely made it better. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, that is a uh, pretty pretty popular style that nobody really does anymore.
1: It's um, it's a a lesser a lesser done style, but it's mm-hmm. they're great. I like them. I, I love I'll
2: them. Admit. Absolutely. Yeah. And the the
1: Krampus, you said? Yeah.
2: It's going to be a, it's a cranberry sour that we do for uh, the holidays. So uh, Krampus. Oh, did you do it last year? We did. Yeah. It's one of the, we've gotten better at uh, trying to plan things out so that we have a, uh, like a quarterly seasonal beer and a quarterly seasonal sour. Um, And so blood orange is a big one for like the fall. Christmas is obviously the Krampus um void is going to be our, our seasonal for uh this the winter season as well but uh it just helps us to plan things out and actually um have a more consistent offering for mm-hmm. all of our customers what are your uh that's a good point uh what are your best sellers
0: uh, maybe two of your best sellers and also what what beer that maybe that you would like for people that may haven't tried that your it's one of your staples that you like and then you already mentioned the ones that you got coming up the seasonals but uh what are the two best sellers and one that you really would suggest is somebody to try
2: so our two best sellers far and away are Dilligaff, which is the american lager uh and our hazy morning which is a new england style ipa or a hazy ipa mm-hmm. uh the combat honey is always a very close third uh, so that's a good beer to look at it's i like it because it's kind of a year-round beer mm-hmm. it's a light amber ale with uh we add a fair amount of honey to it that uh, is a bit of a collab with uh, when I was on 3-1, uh, one of the guys had gotten out. Our, uh, he's our senior intelligence sergeant at the time. Uh, but he got out and started his own farm in uh, Ohio. And mm-hmm. I think it's Newton, Newton Haven, Ohio. I'm definitely messing that up. Hmm. Uh, Sounded legit. I mean, I was like, yeah, that sounds Midwestern. <laughs> <throw it> right. <laughs> but he has a bunch of hives. And so we uh, we get all of our honey from him. And oh, wow. his brand is Combat Honey. Uh, and so it just fit very well. It's, it's funny, like, talking about, like, going back into the genesis of Hatchet. It was one of those conversations when we were deployed. It's like, man, I knew he was getting out and doing the farm thing. And at the time, we were, we were just kind of playing with the idea of starting Hatchet. It's like man, it'd be it'd be really cool if we could do a beer with your honey in it. That's right? awesome. Um, and so yeah, that was kind of dreamed up in in our last deployment. That's cool, man. To be able to have the like the
0: creative uh, ability to now that you you own a successful brewery to be like, you know what, I'm going to come up with a name and a, a type of beer, and we're just going to make it. I mean, I, I think that's awesome. My, <laughs> my old bandmates, Mackenzie's Mill. Um, you know, there was another brewer in town. You know that. I thought it was so cool because I used to be with them like full time and we were a a band for a while and then I left Nashville and they pursued kind of as the duo type thing with a band behind them but I I was like I was really cool and also I was a little bit bitter bitter pun intended okay i was a little bit bitter because they got their own beer and i was like oh man i want to be on a beer you know but uh i thought that was so cool man so just be able to have the to see your dreams you know come true with your your business and uh you know i think southern pines absolutely loves the fact that you're here and there is absolutely room for you know for you and everyone else that's here i know there's been some lately in the last five to ten years a lot of brewers that have come up I mean there's always room
2: (laughs) okay i mean i think we support that so yeah the community has been phenomenally supportive but so have the other breweries like it's funny man you would think that uh industries are competitive and they are but what's so cool about the brewing industry is it's like a very healthy collaborative form of competition like when we were getting open i remember our uh keg washer got back ordered for like a month and so we're like well how do we clean kegs they called up micah and jason over at uh southern pines like yeah bring them over like don't don't cut us a check don't i mean mean don't bring chemicals right like yeah no you, we get it we've been there right absolutely um and that's it's awesome same thing with railhouse like we've yeah we've definitely borrowed equipment from railhouse uh we have uh, something that tests the co2 content in our beer um and so when ours breaks like we'll head over there and ask if they can borrow ours and so that's part of why we did the uh, american collab just to kind of say about thanks to
1: ask about that yeah, I, yeah. Was, I was cool when i saw that
2: mm-hmm. i it's just a good way, in my opinion, to try to support each other and grow together, if you will.
1: And, um, and it's the American, um, what's it called again?
2: Uh, it's just American.
1: Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a sour IPA, or is it an IPA sour? What's the?
2: It's a good question. Um, I would. I mean, <laughs> I think it's a uh, sour IPA technically, but uh, we thankfully. Um, didn't mention this, but, uh, it just won the, uh, North Carolina Brewers' Cup.
1: Awesome. Wow.
2: Yeah. I won a gold medal for that, uh, that style of beer.
1: That's awesome. So that was
2: cool. We'll have to do that again. I had
1: never, I had never had one before.
2: It's a pretty unique style. It's something that, uh, it's funny, we did it and we put it on Instagram and of course, someone jumped on there like, what is this? Uh, yeah. Is this Oregon? Is this? Are we turning <laughs> into Portland? It's like, uh, <laughs> come on, Adam. we're just doing some different stuff, right? right.
1: It's um, beer. Absolutely. Yeah, right. have fun with it. Right, right?
0: exactly, like, yeah, because every, not everybody's the same, you know, I mean, obviously the best sellers are going to be and most, most places is going to be the the basic or close to basic IPA and the close to basic logger. You know, I mean that's what the majority drink. But then you got such a diverse amount of people that you know I, I love crazy IPAs and weird things and, and, and love, sours and,
1: and the the American's great. I oh, will say you. it is good. It's very good. Um, but I could understand that it's not for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm a huge fan of sours and so I I like it and I like IPAs too. But mm. man, I do love a black IPA. Yeah.
2: So, get excited. Yeah, there's one sitting on the table oh, right there. Oh, is that what that is?
1: Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> right. you're
2: That's in mine, the time. Frank. Yeah, we haven't uh, have officially released it. Uh, we do have it on tap in the tap room, but we've got to go through our canning run next week, uh, and then finish all the pre orders, uh, before we'll officially release it.
0: Awesome. So I get the first the first yeah, taste, you Frank. In, you you're, are in luck. Are you uh, are you sad? I we, mean, we I could mean, we it could it chug is. this after the show if you'd like. I mean, it's five I, o'clock, right? Wait, wait, yeah. It is 32 ounces, so uh, you That's got two, so two pints in there. for
1: both of us, right? Yeah. yeah,
0: I'll share, man. You know, it's fine. I don't drink this
1: early. Yeah, no, I, um. I can't. I'll get, like, a couple hours. I'll be like, man, I'm really tired for some reason. I'll <laughs> be falling asleep over here. Yeah.
0: Our next guest. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thank you for bringing that, by the way, you know yeah my pleasure very awesome man. i've got i was talking about it before if you haven't uh i know you can't i'm holding it up like people can actually see what i'm doing but i forget this is radio they're Uh, watching you tony they don't know what's going on here but i'm holding up a fantastic hatchet brewing company hat with a leather patch and there is a fantastic beer here uh, that i will try later Uh, but anyway if you have not seen hatchet brewing's uh hats and merchandise you have to check it out it's absolutely fantastic we've got i've got two of them already and, and greg was uh, nice enough to give me this one here but uh my favorite is definitely the one with the american flag uh kind of back to it and then uh you know the leather patch uh with their their logo and, and actually if you don't mind uh can you tell us a little bit about how the logo came about and maybe to the civilians that don't know what that sort of stands for
2: yeah absolutely uh, it's a good question we get it fairly often but it's uh so it stems from hatchet force operations out of Vietnam, uh, when they would partner with the uh, local Vietnamese forces and essentially do baited ambushes uh, against the, the Viet Cong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where the, the combat, or sorry, the, the hatchet force came from. And they had a, a circular patch with a, a hatchet in it. Uh, over time, that grew into uh, the patch for the team I was on. So I was on SFODA 3331, uh, and the, the nickname of the team is Hatchet Force. And, and a lot of teams have nicknames like 3-4, so their uh, nickname is Death Machine. Mm-hmm. You'll notice we have Death Machine, uh, Belgian Trappel, okay. Uh that we brewed kind of based off, honestly, what they asked us to do when they redeployed. They wanted to have a, a party and a, a beer, and so we collabed on a recipe and, um, and built that for them. But the Hatchet Force... Patch went on to three one, and that was kind of the logo of the team. It was similar, obviously different than what we have on the cans now, um, but that's the genesis of all that. And it really, what resonated so strongly with me transitioning from the military into more of the the business world, was the teamwork that really was founded in that whole concept from the very beginning of Hatchet Force all the way back to Vietnam. Like it takes. It very much takes a team to be successful in anything. I strongly feel like the things that we mess up, eh, it's really because I, I personally mess something up. <laughs> uh, but like when we make, make a great really. beer, like yeah. the American, and that was that was Thomas and Mike and Niebauer putting their heads together, oh, awesome. um, Jason from Railhouse. I mean, that's why that was successful, you know, ultimately. So uh, it's just, it really embodies kind of our, our culture, I would say, and kind of how uh, we view things in general. Mm-hmm. And so that's that was kind of the the genesis and the concept behind all of that. That's awesome, man! I think it's a great logo too, and uh, the patch uh,
0: is fantastic. And like I said, they have several different styles, so make sure you go check them out. How much are these? Thirty. I think there are, yeah. So the hats are thirty, and then you're, you have some shirts, and uh, shirts are twenty-five. Yeah. 25. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely make sure you check them out. I'm a hat guy. I'm bald, so you know I like hats. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can grow hair on my face, and we've, we've had a bearded. And you know another hey, bearded another bearded. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Every guest we've had, except for most Bobby. of the women, have
1: been bearded. As Bobby, Bobby didn't. He-, he had some stubble, I think, okay. maybe. Yeah. But yeah.
0: So sorry, Bob. But he you know, didn't to shave
1: to come. You know, <laughs> yeah. <maybe.
0: laughs> yeah. Well yeah there's you know w- there's a lot of bearded men around here you yeah. know that we uh we that have done great things so you know uh, there's wisdom in a beard you know there, That's there's what a, I've there's have always thought. there's a story to tell in every beard you know right um you know and i grow a beard mine's not actually mine's i trimmed it recently but uh i grow my beard out occasionally because i can't grow hair you know
2: like i'm bald so i just got tired of shaving man yeah yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) after about 16 years in the military i was like i'm just not gonna shave anymore i I, I can imagine (laughs) yeah having to be so clean cut
0: a lot of times you know uh but yeah that's uh that's fantastic another bearded uh
1: I'm going to... Success story. I'm going to shave it into a mustache for
0: this weekend. Oh, please do.
1: (laughs) Please take pictures. I will. There will be pictures. Don't worry. Oh, I love it. You know, I've always... It's been like, God, six years since I've had a mustache. I
0: bet it just gives you a feeling of like, I'm a BA. Right? A mustache? Yeah. (laughs) And not that everybody... I don't get quite that same (laughs) impression. Not that everybody... Uh, views
1: it that way this is just how you feel with a mustache right i i'll be honest when my beard was long that's when i had that the most i mean i don't know i'm sure a lot of people don't ever get to this point but my beard was like down to my chest like it was being shaped because it was long enough that it was pushing against my (laughs) chest and so the bottom of it was flat like (laughs) love it. And once you get to that point, like, I don't know, there's not really much more beard that can make you feel, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, with yeah. a five inch, six, seven inch beard.
2: Yeah, I guess. Uh, I feel like that's when you start braiding it.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I did. <laughs> Occasionally. You know, the best I liked to braid all the way down from my sideburns. It took forever, so I only did it a couple of times, but braid all the way down the jawline and then down into the beard. Oh wow. You know, then you feel like a dwarf or whatever. Yeah. How long did know? it take
0: you to grow it to 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 its before you cut it? Like- um,
1: gosh, so I started I stopped like trimming it when I was on the Appalachian Trail and I just let it grow. Gosh, so that must have been 5 years. Wow.
0: That's impressive.
1: You know, it was something like that. I'd I'd have to actually take the time to think about it. I'm just like I looked up like I was thinking about it, but I wasn't really.
0: (laughs) We need need to see some. I need to see some pictures of that. There's
1: one picture. Strangely enough, after all that time, there's only one picture, and it was a Polaroid. And so there's a picture of the Polaroid on somebody's Instagram, like an old friend of mine. (laughs) That's the only picture that I've. Wow.
2: Vintage. Yeah. Secret.
0: Secretive uh, executive producer Frank Daniels here.
1: Yeah, it was weird. Like, you just, you I don't work. know how I never got pictures of it. Are you in the CIA or something, man? trying to. I mean, no, I wasn't.
0: <laughs> no, you know what? Something that says about a beard, especially a long beard, is that you have uh, you stick it through. You have you you don't you are loyal. You know right. you you give it everything until the last breath you know what i mean because if you can grow a beard for five years or even a year for that matter um you know that's conviction right at that
1: point i was also growing my hair out to give it away which i had to do twice because the first time i did it i didn't know what i was doing you know i was like oh you just grow your hair like (laughs) no you have to comb it and stuff when you get when it gets to a certain length you gotta take care of it you do
2: (laughs) it's funny you know who has a great looking beard who's that pat mcnamara Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. It's funny he, he, did, does. he does. He does the uh, basic dude stuff uh, Wednesdays. So I, I, I just remind him of all shaped. that. Man. His, yeah, he's he's on it. Like I need to. A, he needs to run a course on like how to take care of your beard that I can <laughs> sign up for. Shout man. out right here on 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 the podcast. I like it. You know. No, the, it's just yeah. Well, the conversation reminded me of him, man. I was like, man, he that guy has a is. great looking beard. <laughs> it
1: is. It's very good. Yeah. It's very nice. It's awesome. a nice beard.
0: Yeah, I've grown mine out. I think for three. No, I think I gave it a good four or five months once. See, my wife doesn't like it that much, you know. So, but usually this time of year, actually, is when I kind of give it a good good go, and uh, you know. But really, it's not just about my wife doesn't like it. It's like at a certain point, it gets itchy. It gets food stuck in it, and yeah. I get annoyed with it. So I, that's why I really applaud anybody that will stick it out for years, you know? Yeah, you probably got some sweet peas or something in there from two years ago that I you don't will even know about. say,
1: when it was that long, man, <laughs> I never ate soup. Never. Yeah. <laughs> like, never. You smell good, honey. What is that t- Oh, it's chicken soup from <laughs> <Right>. last year.
0: <laughs> Love it. Um, so, we're talking about beards today. Uh, this is why, you know, we're just chatting,
1: man. We're talking about beard. Beer. Yeah. Oh, there you go. You know, I yeah. try. Yeah, Beer. So I play on words.
2: <laughs> we definitely went off the rails. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that's fine though. That's what this is about, <laughs> man.
0: Having fun. Uh, what? What's your favorite food? You're, you're from Midwest guy, so you like you like
2: barbecue? Kansas City? What is it? Kansas City barbecue? or it's something? It's all good. Honestly, like I'm, I'm more of like a steak guy. Me too, man. Yeah, very simple, man. Like steak, potatoes, veggies. Yeah. Easy. I do like salmon a lot too, but <laughs> yeah, that's
1: me too. Can't man. really get that out. In Omaha, mm. no, sorry, uh, I said yeah. Omaha because <laughs> you Missouri. Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have there's plenty of there? steaks yeah. <laughs> like, from well, Licks? <laughs> steaks there's not a
2: problem. At least once a year, we'd have a cow uh, pass away, like usually birthing, and be like, "All right, well, now we just fill the deep freeze with as much meat as we can get off of her." <laughs> I guess that's sad and also
1: yummy a way of life, um, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. Never waste a, a, a thing. So farm uh, life, man, farm life. Yeah. We're
1: just talking about. Um, With the farm, one of the other podcasts that I work on is uh, we interview just random people. We had the North Carolina Cooperative Extension Director, and she was talking about how farms are growing, mainly due to veterans um, who just don't want to move away, and they just decide, actually, I think I want to farm, or probably much like you did. When you were in, you started brewing, you got together with some other people, and you said, all right, let's, let's keep brewing, and I don't know. But, yeah, that's awesome. just an
0: interesting... That's a good point, because I've had two two clients that they haven't found anything yet, uh, and since rates risen, they've kind of slowed down uh, looking. But I've had two people that I've showed several uh, large tracts of land for, and, and their whole thing was getting with the government and seeing, like, hey, what kind of tax breaks can we get for this? And, and they love to grow stuff, and, and just they're really into the whole horticulture. And, and also, one of them was an old sand pit, so they, they were actually going to try to rehabilitate that land and and make a farm out of it. So I think just the... Ingenuity of that is really cool. So.
2: It's cool. I don't know if I'd call it the technology, but just the things we know about agriculture these days and how things work together. Like, And I'm already speaking to my extent of this, this <laughs> <Yeah>. knowledge. <laughs> but my buddy Matt, uh, who uh, does the combat honey, uh, that's he does everything and he sets it up in a way that this plant here helps the plants around it. And just like he has chickens. And so he ha- he built his own coops that he moves and then they fertilize his cropland. Like, it's just so cool Like how... How much we've learned about how things are really symbiotic and work mm-hmm. together. That's
1: awesome. I find it really interesting about practice agricultural practices like that. That it's been the modern trend to kind of rediscover is the word way I'll say it. The tried and true farming practices from before the Industrial Revolution, like just getting some chickens out there and moving the coops. Like it seems when you. When af- now that he's done it, and you say that, and I picture it, it's like, oh, of course, that's obviously the best way. You have chickens that make eggs, and maybe you can get a chicken every now and again when one passes away, or you kill one, <laughs> and then <laughs> and then you fertilize your your land f- so that the pollinators can make the honey. I mean, it's yeah. just.
2: And if they're free range, they're eating a lot of the pests that are going to be eating up your your crops. You right, know, right. Right. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's funny. It's like it's all uh, meant to work together somehow. Yeah, I know, right. <laughs> like yeah.
1: imagine that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I have no idea about any of this, but it sounds
1: really cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, um, bringing it back. She, she, the director of the Cooperative Extension, said that they help with um, ongoing research for NC State, and that's what the extension is. It's an extension of the work that the university system does. Um, right now, they are researching, or one of the main focuses of their research is vertical farming. Interesting. Yeah. What is, yeah. So, what is vertical farming? So, essentially, it is, and I used, um, because I had seen it, I referenced... Um, I saw these father and son who were in agriculture and I think they were you know like migrant workers and all of a sudden they got this idea so they started converting shipping containers into kind of gr- really tight greenhouses but it's and they have these um walls essentially that they can move uh we'll say left or right and they're uh hydroponically growing lettuce on them so they go in they like separate them in when they're not in there, they separate them evenly and then they go in and they'll scoot them all over to one side and just pull one wall out at a time and then they can go in and harvest and then they'll move the next one over. And so basically vertical farming is any sort of planting or any sort of growing that's happening on a vertical surface. Hmm. And I know I've always, I always thought that, um, the I don't know exactly what the term for it is, but there's a cylinder and you grow food from the interior of the cylinder towards a light in the center of the cylinder and the cylinder spins around. I always thought that would be the next progression, but it seems like vertical farming, just this, you know, on a wall um, with lights in the area is the way that things are going that's awesome
0: I, I think i've seen something in like dubai or something or uh just pictures or, or whatever or uh, maybe japan that has skyscrapers that have a lot of that stuff like they've incorporated it to the new build or whatever that's really cool
1: and i've always thought that's cool and i think that's more i don't think that's agricultural. like meant to be food i don't know what you're yeah, referencing i have but no idea i've always thought that that those permeable surfaces like if i had my way my roof would be like a lawn, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, if I could do it, that's like a, crack a of beer. That's a dream there. that I've always had is to have a a lawn roof, a lawn roof. Interesting. That's fantastic. Yeah, and so then the water as the water, as rain hits the lawn or the roof, um, what isn't used by the growth up there, you can filter out and it'll filter through and then you can collect that and have it as water for maybe your plants down on the ground or, hmm. you that's know, maybe for gray water you know, whatever you know, but it's been a dream of mine. I don't know if I'll get there, but well, if this podcast has shown
0: anything, follow your dreams, Frank. Thank follow you, them. thank you for I that believe in you. I believe in you, sir. Well, uh, we have gone off on a tangent, but <laughs> yeah. that's fantastic. I mean, so if you want to learn about farming or uh, vertical <laughs> agriculture, or, uh, hey, we're we're your guys. So, uh, yeah, what time are we looking at there, Frankie? Can, can I, I call w- you? Can I call you, Frankie? Probably not, right? You can. I can. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. I feel like we, it's a term of endearment. We kind of got a have had of I've had here.
1: friends over the over the time that have called me by nicknames. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. A little pet name for you. Is that cool? Sure. Right. sure. That sounds good.
0: <laughs> uh, uh, Greg's over here like, uh, okay, this is enough. I did not realize. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, uh,
1: yeah, I'm going to leave, and you guys can continue to talk
2: <laughs> amongst yourselves.
1: Uh, um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, and it kind of touched on the last thing we talked about before – we got on this. Um, you have mentioned Thomas, but before Thomas was with y'all, what kind of, how'd you go about determining which, what kind of beer you would brew next? Or what do you, what's your process of thinking about the flavors or the style? Or, you know, maybe you could just talk a little bit about how you make those decisions and, and, and the, the periphery. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I feel like I'm on a soapbox constantly, but we, it's it's very much a like it's a collaborative effort, at least with us. Um, beer names. So we usually send a text out to the people in the company saying, "Hey, do you guys have any good beer names? Like, what do you guys think would work?" Uh, we get a bunch of people that send in suggestions, and we like to pick stuff that people suggest. Uh, there are some times when we actually will do something that we think is a little closer to brand, uh, but that's how booty gains got named. That's how I think several beers got named ultimately. Um, but we started with homebrew recipes, uh, frankly, uh, void, Dillagaff. Uh, we don't do it anymore, but the Holsh, um, our original Hefeweizen recipe, all like homebrewing recipes. Um, you just scaled them up. And so, Thomas is, uh, kind of came into a certain amount of that, but um, he's constantly. One of the things I do love about that, man, is he is constantly improving, right? Like, uh, it's something that kind of resonates with me, but it's like the relentless, pr- relentless pursuit of improvement is really what we do try to, to continue to do. Um, and he is always looking at beers like, well, if we change the grain bill by five, 10 pounds here, I think this is going to make this even better. Um, so we don't really have like such strict recipes that. Uh, we're afraid to change them or use different ingredients. Uh, there's, they're always coming out with more new, innovative ingredients. Uh, hop oil has been a recent one we've started using, uh, which is really just uh, extracted the oil. Obviously, the, the beta acids and alpha acids in, um, in hops is what gives it that flavor and that aroma. And so they've started distract- extracting that. Which makes for better uh production you lose less beer in the production process Mm. um and from what we found it's the aromatic aspect of that stays longer in the beer Uh, because one of the challenges with ipas and highly hot beers is that after three months they're kind of stale you know whereas like a stout a stout can last for a while Mm -hmm. you know same as a lager like that's part of why i think those are more classic beer styles but uh with the ipas uh they they do lose their flavor and aroma a lot faster
1: would that be in replacing of the dry hop or a fresh hop
2: um it can be both we've only tried it with dry hopping um and admittedly we do a little bit of both like we'll we'll tweak it because right. there's there's still value in using more traditional hops um but ultimately if if it is a way to improve the quality of the beer that we're providing our customers and uh make it more consistent like there's no reason not to at least try it so um it's a, a it's an interesting process at the end of the day how we end up kind of going down this a lot of times it feels like chaos if I'm being totally honest but uh, <laughs> controlled chaos yeah <laughs> but Thomas drives it um and he has the background with which to do it right so he is yeah constantly involved in tweaking our SOPs recipes uh planning our ops calendar for all of our releases coordinating that with myself and Whitney um
1: what is his
2: background so Thomas has been in the brewing industry for at least the past 15 years. He worked uh, at several breweries in the Raleigh area. Um, he's done uh, like production, so he's focused entirely on like canning, kegging, that type of thing. He's brewed. Um, he's done cellaring with different companies, including, I think, Big Boss is one of them. Compass Rose is another. So some fairly big breweries in the area. Um,
1: sorry. I'm going to interrupt
2: again, and I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Cellaring. Oh, I'm sorry. Cellaring is just, so once you brew the beer, um, obviously the brewing process is essentially like making kind of a beer tea. So like you start with this grain, you crack the grain so that, uh, the husks are exposed to the fluid, the water. Uh, and then you make a, like a beer tea wort in is what it's technically called where you let it sit for like 60 minutes, um, at a certain temperature. And it allows all of that, those sugars in the grain to come into solution. And then you cycle that to filter it. And then that goes into a kettle for about an hour where you're really conditioning the beer. You add some hops, um, and you're, uh, you're, I don't want to say purifying it, but you're killing anything yeast wise or whatever that might be in there. Uh, and then that goes, it gets cooled down and goes into one of those big steel tanks or fermenter, uh, where you add yeast. But if you add yeast, uh, yeast will just like anything boiling, it would kill the yeast. So you got to cool it down to around 70 degrees. You add your yeast and that's when the cellaring process takes place. So it kind of comes from, um, way back when. Uh, when they would place wooden uh, casks of ale and lagers into a cellar. Mm. Um, and then you're tracking all of that stuff. So you're taking samples of the beer to see how it's fermenting. Uh, you're trying to control the temperature. Um, there'll be a, p- a process in there where you're trying to uh, find it or clear it out. So um, like a, a lager, for example, a lager by standard or definition is a very clear beer. So if it's cloudy, then it's not on. It's not. The right quality, if you will. Uh, I mean,
1: and uh,
2: sorry to interrupt again. No, the,
1: the tradition comes from German brewing, right? Like the lagers specifically.
2: I mean, German, uh, Belgium, uh, Britain. Okay. There's a. I mean, beer's been around for yeah, a while. So there's a rich history. <laughs> and, and everybody has their own way. Like it's it's interesting. I used to work. Uh, for a guy who was Scottish, and he always used to complain about the temperature the beer is served at here, because in uh, Scotland and in England it's served at room temperature, like it's <laughs> like sixty-five to seventy degrees. Um, and his point was always that the beer tastes different because you get much more of that malt character uh, and those flavors from a warmer beer, <laughs> uh, but that's just not the culture here, you know. So. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. So, everyone is a little different. The Germans have the Reinheitsgebot, which is their German beer purity law. So, it was written, I, I don't remember the date exactly, but it was written before they had discovered yeast. So, <laughs> they only had water, malts, and hops. They were allowed to go into beer uh, and have it still be called beer. And then they had to amend the law to add yeast once they actually discovered it. So, it's been around for a while. Wow, that's um, crazy. but like So, if they don't do fruited beers. Because it's oh. not in their it, – it, they wouldn't be able to call it a beer.
0: Oh, okay.
2: Huh. So everybody does stuff a little differently.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's why Rattlers exist.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yep.
0: What was the type of beer that – and this may be a dumb question. I have no idea. The the pre, pre-yeast pre beers from Germany, what type did they call that or is that – I think they're still called like ales and lagers. Uh, um, no specific I, I, yeah, type Yeah, I of... think
1: so too because also what they didn't know is that yeast was getting into the beer. Mm. wild yeast is what it's referred to now that's not added by i'm not sure uh, like the dry yeast yeah we'll use dry or
2: liquid um there's several vendors that that produce that but yeah um you add the yeast now very deliberately but yeah in the past they used to uh wild ferment so like a lambic by definition is this big wooden vat with no top on it Mm. and so they just put the unfinished beer in there and then the yeast out of the air We'll start to ferment the beer, and then they can move it in to ferment it finally um, if they'd like. But, yeah, that's how it all really started. Like mead, for example, like Vikings just hanging out with honey water that – fermented on its own like and that's Ooh, one I of the fun, funny all of a sudden. <laughs> it was always funny homebrew and it's like you know what we're gonna mess this up but at the end of the day it's still gonna be beer right?
1: right
2: so well that
0: that's a good point now to the whole consistency of what you do like that's to me that's the really impressive thing about a brewer is that a, a, a brewer a brewer, a brewer. brewer. i can't say it. it that's Brew proper, brewer. That's proper. Yeah. uh is that you can keep it consistent and i can attest that i mean i haven't had an inconsistent beer from hatchet brewing um but that that's i mean so you have to keep detailed notes i imagine on exactly what amounts what you put in what time what temperature yeah. probably right i mean that's yeah the thing. I'll,
2: I'll admit like that's what one of the things i always liked about uh home so like i i did uh i got my bachelor's in chemical engineering and so so much of it was like a mini lab experiment
1: when was that after you got out
2: um no. So uh when I, I graduated from uh West Point in two thousand eight with my bachelor's in uh chemical engineering. Wow. <gasps> awesome. I wasn't a good student, so uh <laughs> my instructors probably wouldn't uh, be super proud of me, but hey, I'm still using my my degree, so <laughs> there you go. Can't be that bad. Um But yeah, like it, it you run it almost like a mini experiment. So you keep track of times, you keep track of temperatures. Um and a lot of that it's funny going from a homebrewing level to a more professional level. Um it is a, it is a significant change. I won't say that it's like easy, but there are things about it that are easier. So like we have a, a mixing valve that helps us hit the right temperature. You want to hit one fifty four ish, depending on what style of beer. When uh, one hundred fifty four degrees Fahrenheit going into the mash, mm-hmm. and so uh, you can adjust that based off like kind of the protein content, um, the pH of the water. And you adjust pH with salts and those types of things. It's easier to control on like a professional system than it is me home brewing in a five-gallon kettle that i have in the kitchen with and a pen a, and
0: pad pencil yeah, and a
2: piece of paper <laughs> and like and like cheesecloth squeezing grain juice out of it yeah.
0: and some uh a bug gets in it or something you know it's like oh, this is a little chewy <laughs> that's awesome man that's that's interesting i've always wondered my brother briefly tried to do some brewing homebrewing stuff and i i tasted a few of his and they, they were all right but uh you know he didn't quit his day job so, uh, but, uh, it's an interesting thing, man, yeah. and beer and just the whole process. So thank you for sharing it with every, all of us that most of us probably have no idea how to do it. And it's all very intriguing. So, and we love the product though. I'll well, say thank that. you. No, yes. I
2: really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's such a cool blend of an art and a science. Right, Definitely. like I think if you do, if you treat it too much like a science, you end up with like Budweiser. Yeah. Um, if you treat it too much like an uh, an art, like you end up with something that nobody wants to drink. <laughs> you know, like right, or
1: or something you can't replicate, which is oh, de- yeah. death for
2: uh, business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point for sure. Um, anything else you want to add there, Frank, or
1: before we? Uh... I was just wondering. Mm, I mean, this was always interesting to me, and you might be, but I can't. Um, speak accurately about it but the difference between a lager and an ale yeah an, an
2: ale is a top fermenting yeast that usually ferments around 65 degrees 65 to 70 degrees fahrenheit a uh lager is a bottom fermenting yeast that usually uh ferments around 40 degrees hmm. um they ferment slower a lager does versus uh an ale yeast so a lager will take probably two to three weeks to finish out uh, an ale can be done in five days Maybe hmm. two weeks, depending on the type of yeast and the gravity of the beer, or like how much uh, sugar is in the beer for them to convert to alcohol. Hmm. Um, and so the lager comes from, uh, I think it's actually Germany, but that's where, again, they would store it long-term. So it was a longer storage beer uh, where an ale was uh, shorter. Hmm. That is, I had no idea they were that different. That's
0: yeah, fantastic. It, it, yeah, Great it was, question. It was yeah.
1: an interesting thing that I discovered at some point reading something.
0: And you were absolutely prepared for that question, and that's fantastic. Oh, thanks. You're you're definitely a professional at what you do. (laughs) I just made it up. It sounded really good. I'm glad you guys believe me. (laughs) Hey, well, that's part of the process, right? Fake it until you make it, right? Uh, I will say you have a great radio voice, man. Does he not? Oh, I thanks. Mean, yeah, you know, yeah. i, got, I mean, a faces faces for, got a face for radio, too. That's right.
1: That's,
0: that's a beer. nice little combination. Right. Yeah, well, that's why I've gotten into this.
1: And a beard for TV.
0: There you go. Yeah. Yep. And saves a little bit of uh, you know snacks from a couple of weeks ago, too. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Beer. It saves sport. It does. Wart.
2: There you go. Well I really appreciate you guys having me on. Just thinking okay. about me to, to come help out or and BS yeah man thank you for coming seriously uh, appreciate it
0: also to end uh, it is uh, it's October 26th today uh, so you'll be hearing this a couple of weeks from now but it is a National Day of the Deployed evidently that I saw this morning from a Patriot Foundation Post so uh, thank you for your your service and your deployments and uh, we really appreciate that and all the military people out there in Moore County this make up such a great uh, part of the community here so we appreciate everybody uh, seriously and um, you know again go to Hatchet Brewing uh, they have a fantastic place can go on there and uh, have some great merch to 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 buy and support, and some great uh, frothy beverages for you to try. So make sure, and also food trucks on weekends a lot, and uh, live music. I think I'll be playing there probably sometime in November. So hope
1: to see you out. And Tuesday, your pint nights on Tuesday that you uh, support local nonprofits.
2: We do, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. So yeah, we'd love to continue to keep doing that. We do uh, pop up in the pines at least once a month on a Sunday. Uh, we try to try to. Make a party, you know what I mean? That's awesome, man. Yeah.
1: Oh, there is one thing I wanted to ask. I heard you guys are expanding into the space next door. We are. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. It's been
2: a. It's been a slow process. Obviously, the permitting and getting the architectural view board for Southern Pines. It just takes a while. There's a little bit of paperwork to go through. Uh, but we're going to do it in two phases. First phase, uh, so we're starting to push more distribution into Raleigh, and so we need more refrigerated storage space. So that'll be the first step in that, um, and then we'll uh, adjust kind of as the. De- seeing how things go because we're going into a a slow season uh december january february pretty slow for the bring industry as a whole Mm -hmm. um but hopefully next spring we'll be starting on the taproom expansion so same concept as what we're already doing but um small taproom it'll just be a little bit more of a private venue um so the idea is no dogs no kids uh, a little bit more of it if you like hatchet and having your pets and all that awesome that's what the pinball machines are for in the the tap room and the games and hanging out there have a good time but we want to make a space just based off feedback we've gotten from the community where people can have more of like a lounge area if you will
1: hmm. awesome
0: i think that's great
1: that'll do be you have a record player
2: we do we've done um uh, the vinyl nights actually awesome They've been hit or miss, but it's oh, it is cool when people come in and they'll bring like an old record that they throw on there, and everybody enjoys. It's a, it's another really cool community thing that people can kind of like share and collaborate on.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was cool when I heard that. Yeah, I'll say too.
0: By the way, it reminded me you do, you guys do a lot of unique unique events. Like you're not, it's not your standard events, and I like that a lot. Even my wife, <clears throat> she has a green thumb now. So the last couple of years, she's a gardener and everything, and she she's seen you've had a couple of like plant. Yeah, plant, plant swaps. Plant yeah. swaps. My wife was like, oh, that's awesome. There's I a, want to go. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right,
2: cool. I mean, we will have painting. Um, and it's it's not just us. It's it's uh, Usually there's a local artisan right? that's like, hey, I'd love a place to do this. And I'll put on a class. And so, yeah, absolutely. Like, if we, there's something we can do that works for everyone, we'd love to support that. Uh, but, yeah, we've done painting classes, macrame. We've done plant swaps uh and frankly the majority of these i won't even remotely take credit for them because i'm horrible <laughs> at this stuff but it's whitney our tapper manager um and yeah i know you know her tony yeah, uh awesome. but yeah she's super creative and yeah she's the one that is the brainchild for the majority of those, yeah, uh, those it gets, events it gets people in your in your building and it
0: also uh helps them with the needs that they have they need a space to do it and i'm sure there's a, a few uh beer drinkers involved as well and it just helps it's a a symbiotic thing, I believe. So, yeah,
1: that's great. That's, I think that's what really is community is all about. Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. Well, if we can, yeah, anything we can do that's a win-win, right? Why not? Right, you know.
1: You yeah. know, and I, before I got into, when I was just a dude, before I got into like business or had to support myself in any way, <laughs> you know, I always had this kind of, I don't know, hesitancy or whatever you want to call it, this barrier, mental barrier, but that. that I always thought, like, as a business owner, you get people in there and they're going to drink your beer. Like, of course, that's motivation for you. I always had this, like, oh, man, he's just doing it to get get people to drink his beer. But, like, why not? Yeah, You know, if you can get people in there to enjoy something that they want to do and you can support the person who, who's putting it on, say, like, the painting class, you can support that artisan to give their class and then they are there, and they might drink beer. That you make and offer; it's a win-win. It's yeah. a win-win-win-win.
2: Making yeah. money is a second-order effect, in my opinion. Right? Like you don't it, you don't start a business to make money. Um, at least a small business like this. It isn't a Facebook or like a. In my again, just be no. I mean, I think,
1: but I think I think
2: you. It's it. it we want to create an experience for the people that come in. If you're willing to partake in the experience, take a risk on trying our products. We want it's not just a beer that you're buying. We're, you're buying the experience of being in the tap room, hopefully getting amazing customer service, drinking a good beer, being with your family in a relaxed environment that you enjoy in the local community, knowing that everybody is trying to support one another as best they can. Um, the the money piece, in my opinion. Is, comes after that. You know, if, I feel like if we can create good products and we can create a, a great experience for everybody that either comes into the tap room or chooses to buy our beer and market, that's what we're truly trying to do. Because ultimately, we just want to have a positive impact on everyone that does take the risk on trying out hatchet and being a member of the team, even if it is for a short period of time.
0: Yeah, That's an awesome way to put it for sure. I mean, yeah.
2: it is, you know, <clears throat> you obviously you want to
0: make money, but being, uh, you, you, in order to make money, you have to, I think people really gravitate towards people that truly care, you know, about the community or about you. If you're in some sort of, you know, you meet somebody and you just, you know, if you really try to care and, and, and understand them and appreciate, their story yeah <clears throat> that that's what ultimately drives you know future business and and things like that
2: so i think that's fantastic So yeah i mean be yourself right like be authentically yourself but also try to support everyone else right absolutely. and if there are things you can do to you know improve the relationship and work better with the local community and other members of it why why wouldn't you yeah. you know absolutely that's yeah. fantastic man It's a careful balancing act. I feel like the more I have never been big on social media, but like doing this, like it's a necessary aspect of what we do on a day-to-day basis. And so I've, I've gotten much more involved over the last few years, but it's an interesting environment we live in where it is, you have almost like this public persona, um, and it doesn't always match. I feel like what people do right, uh, in day-to-day or their, their daily lives. Um, it's just kind of an interesting side note, I guess, but it, like to, for us, we were talking about the American, and it's easy to get a bad review, um, especially as a new business, and be like, "Man, I screwed up that beer." Right? I remember the, I think the worst one we've had to date. Uh, was on Google and there was a lady that came out and she was talking about how our beer tastes like a uh, Dawn dish detergent. And I was like, man, what? we don't even have Dawn dish. D- like, it's not a thing. Like you don't use those types of products in a commercial <laughs> brewery. Yeah. Right. Like we're using it. Like maybe it tastes like caustic, like that would be a big deal. But mm. we go through so many checks on that. There's no way that would happen. Yeah. Um, so you gotta kind of take that with a grain of salt, but people with this sense of anonymity will provide that kind of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, again, like, the goal for us is we still just want to be our authentic selves as much as we can while also trying to be supportive and work with everyone yeah. as best we can, if that makes any sense. And that yeah. is a, that is a good point that, you know, just anybody – I mean, no
0: matter how great you are at something, you're always going to get that – that a-hole that likes to post anonymously on, on Google, you know, or yeah, Z- yeah. in my case or any but realtor's case, Zillow or Realtor. Mm. It's like, oh, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know? so it's always something to be pissed off about something. That's the world we live in. But uh, I think for the most part, you know, you can just write those people off. You've, you've definitely you're definitely a staple in this community now. And your beer has always been rather tasty, in my opinion. So, well, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Anything else to add there, Frankie? Frankie. I like how I'm calling you Frankie now. I feel Probably. like we're, we're past that hump. Yeah. Yeah. Official Frankie. official co-hosts, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we, it's, it is interesting. We've had this like we we literally just met
2: we're like let's do a radio show <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah a like, podcast what,
1: like a month ago i yeah. mean it's it i probably... think it's an
2: awesome idea yeah. um what a, i feel like what, what i want to do is just engage people more um and i've only recently started a podcast but yeah, there's no it, it's just a really cool way to actually uh engage the community
0: yeah you absolutely know? yeah i think it's
2: fantastic
0: yeah. and we and this kind of we just kind of hit it all like i was like hey i'm, I'm tony he's like i am frank Let's do a show like that day. We're like, all right, let's just do it, and, yeah. and it, it was actually pretty funny. I think the first one, and it wasn't about anything serious. It was about me and my. It was my, like my your wife. story,
1: introducing you, yourself to the listeners. Yeah, and I thought yeah,
0: so I was a little more comfortable, obviously, about that. You know, just because I know my story, so it's like we're just making jokes, having yeah. fun. And I, I, I thought it was funny. I, I don't no, know. I mean, probably I, nobody else did, but
1: no, it was good. Yeah, it, it was funny. Yeah,
0: and <laughs> you you had some some good humor there, and some uh, self. Uh, derogatory things about, that's good Self, humor you know
1: self-recriminating oh, wow. that thats a word? It. self-deprecating yeah. there yeah, yeah yeah
0: it's always funny you know just, just talk s about yourself in a bad light and people laugh about that sometimes yeah. it's not yeah. a good thing to be proud of if you're laughing at that but anyway well
1: you know it's yeah. meant to be laughed at that's right I, mean, yeah. I think yeah. it's
2: healthy to be able to laugh at yourself
0: absolutely right? yeah.
2: like,
0: that is yeah. that is the tr- a truer statement never never told never spoken spake spake in. No, this is stupid. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh,
1: so, we'll I mean, probably, I could probably talk much more about things, um, but you know, people have things to do, right? <laughs> yeah. Do they really? Uh, I mean, yeah, no. Right. <laughs> not, not not anything. Not. I'm just gonna go important. back and
2: do invoices and sales calls. So, yeah, We can yeah, see her all day. Help right. me procrastinate. <laughs> that's
0: that's been some funny conversations. I like it. You know, beards and whatnot. You know. Yeah. Good stuff for sure. So, we we might be able to cut out the 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 agricultural part
1: that was
2: a bit of a tangent we'll <laughs> see we'll see what makes it to the final cut yeah that's right yeah that's right um, well
0: I, I guess you know Frank Frank Daniels is that's right that's exactly
1: my title <sighs>
0: executive producer Frank Daniels everyone thanks for having Thank us you, I really Tony. appreciate the opportunity every week to do this podcast it's really cool I'm still getting used to it as you can tell um, but uh, I hope it's a useful uh, thing for the community and, and we love having guests like Greg Walker on here with Hatchet yeah. Brewing uh, you know just interesting people with fantastic stories and, and they contribute to the community so much and we really appreciate you so uh, make sure you go check out Hatchet Brewing uh, when your next uh, frothy beverage starts itching at your ear, your mouth. Right, whatever when you, you say.
1: when you start to get a little thirsty, thirsting. head on over.
0: When you get a thirst and go over to Hatchet Brewing Company, check it out. There's live music on the weekends, most weekends, and uh, food trucks often. So they do a lot for the community. So thank you very much, Greg. Appreciate it, Frank. Thanks for uh, signing off now. Thank we, you. We don't Tony. have an official sign off yet, do we? That's
1: it. Is that it? was a, that was pretty We're signing official. off now. Yeah, really. Well, I mean, no, just the the recap oh, okay you know yeah right. yeah san diego
2: Dude, thanks for having me yeah. i appreciate it guys. yeah no especially problem. on the veterans day special if you want to call it that yeah it's kind of a cool concept
0: absolutely yeah, yeah. this is great I, I, you know we really appreciate our veterans here and a lot of the uh, guests have been veterans uh, and so we appreciate everything they do for sure we're signing off thank you san diego